the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Today we're wrapping up the series called Finding Your Rhythm. And together we've been walking through the last several weeks trying to once again remind each other about the spiritual disciplines, these incredibly powerful tools that God has given us to, to make the transformation happen faster, to make it easier on the Holy Spirit to do His work in us. <clears throat> Excuse me, we've been using music as a metaphor the entire time. And um, I hope that it's all been making sense. One of the visual things you may have noticed or not up till this point is all these lines. If you work with uh, digital, digital recording at all, it's very familiar. If not, this is, this is, this is what this is. When you record uh, anything digitally, anything audio, sound digitally, it, it records it and shows you a graph like this. The longer lines are the, the, the more dense and the louder sounds. The smaller lines, the shorter lines are the less dense and quieter sounds. And if music is played well, it's going to look like that. It's going to look like a rhythm there. There's going to be, you're going to see the beats. You're going to see where it gets louder and where it's get more intense. And then it's going to get soft again. There's dynamics. And you can see the beauty this way. And, and this is a representation of where we're wrapping up today with worship, is finding our rhythm has to do with not only just trying to do these things so that working them into the rhythm of our lives, but also to find the part that we play, to, to find, get better at following God's direction together as a big unit so that the song gets played and it looks like that. There's, it's, it's a rhythm. Does that make sense? That's where we're headed. One more music metaphor, and we're going to dig deep into God's, God's word together. But uh, today, we're, instead of being in the bedroom or in the garage or on tour, wherever else we've been, we're on the stage. And I, and I want to remind you that as musicians, nothing is better than the stage. And, and as a musician, I can tell you that honestly, I love going to a good concert and being out in the audience just as much as I like giving a concert or being on stage. I love being caught up in a great worship service just as much as I love to lead worship. Because what it really is, is not about a performance if it's worship. It, the, there is no audience except one. Are you with me on this? We'll talk more about that in a second. But the, we're all performing together for God. That's what real worship is. And if it's real music, even if you're caught up in music and somebody is performing and they want you to buy their albums and they want you to buy their t-shirts or whatever else, still, if it's really done well, it's a shared thing. And your energy and you singing along and everything adds much more than you'll ever dream to the musicians on this stage. If it's done right, music is always something that we do together. Does that make sense? And so this is what we've got to remember as we approach this last spiritual discipline that we're exploring this year anyway, is worship. Is this is something that we all do for God together. C.S. Lewis says, a man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. God doesn't really need anybody to tell him how great he is. It just means a whole lot to him when we do, because he loves us, and we're his children, and he's done a lot to show us his love for us. 
And so when we reflect that back to him, it means so much to him. Jesus said that if we didn't, rocks would cry out. Remember, he said that was in a specific story, but I think it's appropriate. Throughout the scripture, you see so many other places. We'll actually look at one of them today from the Psalms, for example, where it says that um, all creation cries out to God. All creation worships God in one way or another. But what's unique about us, what's different about us, is where we're going to head today. And it starts here. It starts with the words that Jesus Christ himself said about worship. He said that we must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's say this together. Uh, Let's say this as a statement. We worship in spirit and in truth. Let's say it one more time. We worship in spirit and in truth. See, no matter how we worship or where we worship, or when we worship, whom we worship, and why we worship are always the most crucial things. God's absolutely obsessed with having a relationship with us. And not just like being buddies. I mean, he just really wants to know us and us to know him. He wants it to be real. He wants to connect spirit to spirit. He's passionate about that. He wants us to know who we really are. That is, that is the truth. He wants us to know who we are, who he is. He wants it to be in spirit and in truth. And so as we approach him, why we worship is so important. It's not enough to just go through the motions, no matter how good the motions may be, no matter how much we may enjoy those motions. That's never the point. The point is, are we actually connecting with God? Are our spirits connected with him? Are we saying things that are true while we sing and while we pray and while we take communion, while we give, while we walk through God's word together? As we do all the things that we do here and outside of these walls, all of that is worship. It's got to be in spirit and in truth. Richard J. Foster says to worship is to experience reality to touch life. Notice he's capitalizing those. God, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. It's to experience reality, to touch life. It is to know, to feel, to experience the resurrected Christ in the midst of the gathered community. When we're talking about worship happening in this room, that's what we're talking about. But as we'll see in a few moments, worship is also everything that we do in one way or another. Worship has actually been controversial since the very beginning because it's so important. And so the devil loves to attack it, and we usually get it wrong somehow. If you remember Adam and Eve all the way back, the first thing that they were wrestling with is wanting to be gods themselves. That was the original lie. They wanted to make up their own rules. Instead of just worshiping a creator who could create a perfect world and give them a role to play in it, they wanted control themselves. And that, that, that's always been a problem. The very first murder that ever happened was a fight over worship and whether God approved Abel's or Cain's more. I could go on and on, but this has always been a problem. If you live through the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and early 2000s, you remember when there's been some issues, even in modern history, about worship styles and things like that. Here's something else from Richard Foster I love. He says, forms and rituals do not produce worship, nor does the disuse of forms and rituals. We can use all the right techniques and methods. We can have the best possible liturgy, 
but we have not worshipped the Lord until spirit touches spirit. And if I could just speak from my heart to yours for just a moment, spirit to spirit, truth to truth. But part, I, it's important that we all do worship a little bit differently because we're made different. And, and we all have different stories. It, there, there, it, it's, a, it's okay that some of us really like the music and some of us kind of tolerate the music waiting for the message. And uh, many are probably, it's the other way around. It, it's important that, it, it's, it's okay, it's good that some people, just the communion is the whole thing and everything else doesn't matter as long as we get communion right. Are you with me? Some, some people, it's a smaller group, but some people just really like the giving part. But it's okay if, if, if some of those think about that graph, if your line, your long lines are different than the long lines on somebody else's graph, it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's beautiful even. It's just got to be real. And it's got to line up with the big picture that we're all trying to line up with. Is this, is this connecting? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at where Jesus actually said this. He said it to... The woman in Samaria that he met at a well, amazing story, and so many layers of truth in this, but let's focus on the worship part here. Notice that the very first thing, the second she realizes this is somebody from God, somebody who represents God, her first question is a question about a worship issue. <clears throat> Excuse me. Her first question is a, it's a worship issue. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Spirit Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. This particular series, I just chose the NIV to keep things simple and not have to post which which version I was using on each thing as much. And I think it's a really good translation. But I, I just, I, I think this is a moment where I can point out just a quick warning, a word of caution, and also an encouragement to you guys as you study the Bible more. Um, every translation is doing their best, I believe, trying to reproduce what not only the words of the original in Greek or Hebrew, but also kind of what they would mean to us today. But all of them, no matter how sincere they are, you can kind of see where their slant is coming. This is one of those examples. In Greek, it doesn't say in the spirit. It just says in spirit and in truth. And that word spirit can mean the Holy Spirit. It can mean your spirit. It can mean spirit as in the sense of team spirit or school spirit. I believe it means all of the above. But whatever translation you look at, they're going to often, I, I believe, probably accidentally kind of skew one way or another, make it sound like just one. The Passion uh, Translation, for example, um, says, From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit. There's no in the realm of in the original at all. Adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. 
Why, why, why is he translating that? Because he wants, he's trying to make sure we don't forget that it's got to be in conjunction with the Holy Spirit. We're actually connected with God in the throne room of God. Uh, you look at the message, which is absolutely a paraphrased version. It's, it's one man's rewording of the scripture, but it often is very insightful. He says, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. See the slightly different slant there? That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. But again, it's, it's all of the above. It's not just one of those things. It's in harmony with the spirit of God. It's our spirit touching his spirit. It's all of us having a spirit of adoration, a spirit of worship, a spirit of submission. Does that make sense? It's, we, we, we dare not separate it all out. It's got to be all of those. And once it's real like that, once it's all of the above, it can be anywhere. In Acts 16, one of the most literally powerful worship service ever was Paul and Silas worshiping God from a prison. In stocks, after having been bitten, bitten, beaten, <laughs> totally different word. Change the vowel, everything changes. Let's try this one more time. Having been beaten, but they're, they're sitting there worshiping God and an earthquake happens and everybody gets set free for the end of the night. The jailer and his entire family had been baptized into faith in Christ. Amazing story. And they're literally worshiping. Do you think they were lighting candles or wearing robes? Do you think they were wearing any kind of special clothes at all? They hadn't picked out the outfits they were wearing in that prison. Are you with me? Do you think they were playing guitars? No, they had, they were in stocks. But it was real worship. And God met them there. 1 Corinthians 14, 15, Paul writes, So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. So we've got some fictional people here to kind of graph out where they're coming from. Hopefully this will make sense to you guys and, and, and kind of drive this home. Uh, this, is, this is Nancy's graph of worship. Nancy comes from a very formal background. Her, the church she was raised in is very serious. Very, everything is really serious. And it's all about whether we're telling the truth or not. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's, that's where she's coming from. So her, the longest line on there is, is study for her. She, the Bible study just is a huge thing. She's at all the Bible studies, and she loves the sermons, and she's all that. And, and her head is going to influence all the other stuff. She loves giving. She loves music. It's okay. It's on there, but it's not the biggest thing to her. And that's okay. Does Jesus love Nancy? Yeah. Does Nancy love Jesus? Yeah. Is Nancy Okay. Nancy's great. Let's look at George. George comes from a very informal background. He was like sitting around campfires playing his guitar and singing whatever came to his head before he came to Jesus. George, his heart leads his head more than the other way around. So he's all about the music. If the music grabs him, doesn't matter how everything else works. But he's learning to study. He loves to pray because he really connects with God. He loves fellowship because it's, hey, we're all in this together, man. It's cool. Is George okay? Yeah. George is great. 
George is doing well. He loves Jesus. Jesus loves him. Him and Nancy can all meet in the middle and have a really good time. Psalm 96, 1 through 3, brings out how this works. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. When we worship, when we worship in spirit and in truth, when we're honest about who we are and we're right about who Jesus is and we connect with him in spirit and in truth, it's a proclamation to the entire world. It's a reminder that no matter how different any of us may be, how different we may feel, how different we may look, how different our ways of interacting with God and and each other may be, all of that is okay if we're getting this thing right. And that's open to everybody who wants to join the team. If they can learn to worship in spirit and in truth. And again, we're not talking just about worship in a building. We're not talking about just singing. We're talking about every minute of every day, what you submit to God. This, all of this, all of this is open to everyone. Psalm 96, at the end, it says, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. Watch this. For the reason that all creation should worship God, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness. That's his definition of what's good and what's bad, what's true and what's not. And uh, to judge all the peoples in his faithfulness. Faithfulness is love, spirit connecting with spirit. When you know what to watch for, it's all all of the big themes of the scripture flow all the way through. It's so beautiful and so cool. And that leads us to the second big one. We're going to go a little faster the rest of this time together. But the second big idea is this. Let's say this statement together. We perform for an audience of one. One more time. We perform for an audience of one. No matter what kind of worship it is, if it's just somebody standing up here singing a cappella, if it's a really good piano player, an organ player, if it's a a bunch of instruments you'd see in a concert elsewhere outside of a church, that's not as important as as, as it is to remember that it's not a performance. The minute it becomes a performance, even that guy singing all by himself a cappella is no holier than anybody else. In fact, he's missing the whole point. But if, if, if any of those people are worshiping in spirit and in truth and the whole group together is being led into that direction, then it's beautiful and it works and it's real. We dare not forget the creation-wide aspect of worship, that what we do in here and outside is a proclamation of who God is and what he, what he invites everybody into. But true worship is all about complete submission to God himself. We can't forget that. That's the real essence of worship. One of the most bizarre worship services in the Bible is the first one mentioned. The first time any of the phrases or words that we translate into English as worship is in Genesis 22.5. It's when Abraham is taking his son Isaac to go present him to the Lord. Let me just say, if you ever feel like you see somebody else in the way that they worship looks just a little strange... I I don't think you're ever going to find anything stranger than this. And this really was God. 
Yeah, of course, we know the rest of the story looking back. We know he didn't really want him to sacrifice Isaac. He was teaching him something. But as far as Abraham knew, this was God telling him, here's how I want you to worship me today. I want you to sacrifice your son. But that's worship. That is the submission to God. And watch what he says. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. It's interesting that he says we. Maybe he's having second thoughts. Maybe he really thought God would instantly resurrect Isaac. I'm not sure exactly what was going on here. But this is the first time, I think it's significant, that's the first time that worship is mentioned out loud in Scripture. The verse we looked at last week, 2 Timothy 2.15, says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worship a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Once again, any way you obey that, Bible study or service or giving or fasting or any of the things that we do for God, any way that you reach out and serve others, it, that is a choice that you make and it becomes worship when you're genuinely submitting to God. Let's look at two more of these graphs together. Here's Jessica. Again, there's no actual one single real Jessica. Uh, this is just, I hope this is all making sense. But Jessica comes from a very demonstrative culture. In her home where she was raised, everybody yelled and laughed and everything was loud. And when she goes to church, everybody dances and sings and everything's awesome. And, and, and they're just so exciting. And if they're angry, they're really angry. And if they're sad, they're really sad. And everything is, and, and that, that's okay. When she gets to church, worship out loud is a big thing. And if it's kind of quiet, she's a little disappointed. But if it's really rocking, she's in it. What she really loves is fellowship and interacting with everybody. Is Jessica okay? Yes. Jessica's great. We love Jessica. Jesus loves Jessica, and she loves him. And she's getting it right. Notice she's doing all of it. She's getting it all in there, and she's really interacting with God. It's just her story is a little different than everybody else's story, and that is good. It's not just okay, that's good. Let's look at Simon. Simon comes from a very private culture. His family was really quiet at home. Nobody raised their voice. He loves any kind of a church or Bible study is the one that he likes is the one where he doesn't have to talk very much. When the lockdown happened, Simon really enjoyed it. He liked being at home and just watching it on a screen. That was a good day. That was a good day. In his mind, anyway. He likes the solitude a lot. He likes secrecy a lot. But he stretches himself and he knows he needs fellowship. He knows that even though that's where his comfort zone is, that he needs all that stuff just as much. And he needs to study and he needs to sing. And he needs all of those things just as much as anybody else does. And so he works at it. Is Simon okay? Yeah. Simon is great. Jesus loves Simon and Simon loves Jesus. And he gets along with Jessica and everybody else really well because they're all worshiping in spirit and in truth both in this building and outside of the building. Three things really quickly to remember, and then we're going to start wrapping up with the last big idea. Three things. I hope this registers. Number one, one beat every once in a while is not a rhythm. Okay? That's not a rhythm. Okay, so if you study the Bible once, that's not it. If you come to church every once in a while, that's not a rhythm. If you do any of these things 
sometimes, randomly. That's not a rhythm. You need to work into the, we need to make these things be part of the rhythm of our life. It's an ongoing thing. It's not that it's, it's not legalistic. It's not about that at all. In fact, another thing I think is really important to remember, these are just bonus truths. Focus on your strengths more than your weaknesses. Each one of these profiles, it's a good thing that they lean hard into the way that they just are. Jesus loves them as they are. He's just making all of us a little bit more like Jesus. Does that make sense? It's important that you lean into that, but also be willing to work on your weaknesses. Stretch yourself a little bit. Get the stuff done that isn't it as fun as well, because maybe that might transform you even more. You never know. But the third thing is, again, everyone's rhythm not only can be different, it should be different. We're not competing with each other. We're not trying to see who fasts the most or who, who gives the most or anything like that. We're all just trying to submit to Jesus. Uh, Paul writes in Colossians, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. If everybody else thinks you're the greatest worshiper there ever was, everybody else thinks you're a great Christian, and Jesus doesn't, you failed. It's, it's all about Jesus. And it goes the other way around as well. If Jesus really likes you, and you are okay with Jesus, and somebody else has an issue with something that you do as worship, maybe that's a real problem you both should work out, but that's not the point. The point is you work for Jesus. Amen. Here's the last one. This is so important. This is the, the cornerstone of the whole series that we've been in here. This is, this is so important to remember. Let's say it together. Three words. Everything is worship. Everything is worship. Uh, I love music. Not everybody loves music. Music for me is one of the easiest ways for me to connect with God. It's, 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 it's just, it's, that's not everybody. That's okay. That's not just okay. That's good. But, but, but we, wor we worship with music, but that's not what we're talking about. Everything, how we spend our time, how we use our abilities, how we spend our resources and our emotions and our energy, all of that reveals our priorities and what's really most important to us. It's worship. It, when we lay down more energy and more time and more money and more anything to everything except God, we are worshiping false gods. And those other things don't have to be wrong. They might be okay things. They might be good things. But when we're doing all these other things, when we're putting all of our everything to them, submitting to them, the biggest lines on our graph is always everything else and the littlest ones are God. Something is deadly wrong. Here's another, here's another just bonus truth. There's no such thing as a good, healthy work-life balance. You're not going to be able to balance that. Life just changes all the time. You need a rhythm and, and a song to sing that's going to be able to get a little quieter sometimes and a little louder sometimes. Do you understand what I'm saying? And your spiritual life and your regular life, there's no balance between those two. There's just your life. You don't balance what you do for God and everything else. It's all for God. 
It's okay to do other stuff for God. It's not just stuff in this building. It's actually most of the stuff that we do in the community, most of the stuff we do at home, the way we treat our families, the way we treat the people we work with, the way we reach out outside of our comfort zones. All of that is worship. There's no balance in that. That's not something we should aim for. We should just make sure we're getting it all done. As as somebody sees the graphs of our lives, they see all of those things. Worship is, there's no balance between just worship and just living my life. This is what I do to worship. This is everything else. When you're just living your life, you're worshiping yourself. Possibly something worse. In Ephesians, Paul writes this. Be very careful in how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that his definition of worship there is all of the above. It's all of those things, not just the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. One more big quote from C.S. Lewis, and the band's actually going to help me wrap up today. I'm excited about this. C.S. Lewis says, If all experienced God in the same way and returned to Him an identical worship, the song of the church triumphant would have no symphony. It would be played like an orchestra in which all the instruments played the same note. Just a little bit ago, I I referred to going to an actual orchestra and how the tuning process is so painful for all of us at the beginning. But imagine they started playing. And let's go ahead. We've been talking about rhythm. Let's start with the rhythm. Imagine they started playing the rhythm, but all there was was just rhythm. Not too much. What if all of them said, okay, we're going to follow this rhythm, but we're all going to play together. Here's what it sounds like. Not too good. But what if the keyboard player said, I'm going to play the part God wrote for me. I'm going to stay in that rhythm. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to stay in sync with all the other people in the kingdom. But I'm going to do what he created me to do. And then what if the guitar player said, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to play my part. I'm going to stay in sync. I'm going to feel the rhythm. I'm going to follow it. But I'm going to play what God created me to play. Then the electric guitar comes in. Suddenly there's an actual song. Something there's something that could make a proclamation to everyone else. Let's join them, let's proclaim. We're gonna sing this. Here comes the bass, there's gonna be some voices. We're gonna sing this together. Sing it, you can sing with us. All the earth.
you're already standing, hallelujah, just take the step that you need to take. Maybe that means staying where you are. Maybe that means coming forward to make it public. But we're going to worship God together by making the decision he's putting on your heart right this minute. Let's make it together as we all keep singing and worshiping God.